Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 283 of the Ask the Coach show, where ping skills help you improve your table tennis. In today's show, we'll talk about the amazing world championships. We'll have our regular segments on this day, tip of the week, drill of the week, and of course, answer your table tennis questions. And back by popular demand is the joke of the week. I'm Jeff Flum, and as always, I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yes, excited to have the joke of the week back. Oh, yeah, yeah. People love it. Um, they, they were laughing so much um, after the joke last week, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll I'm be laughing they, hard uh, again. I'm glad they were, because... Uh... Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> there was a lot of silence uh, from you last week. I must admit. <laughs> oh dear. But uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a big show, um, Alois, and I think we should kick it off with on this day. Yeah, the uh, the highlight segment um, on on this day. Well, in a couple of days is Jun Mizutani's birthday, the 9th of June, nineteen eighty nine. He was born. So uh, 28 years old today. So happy birthday to John Mizutani. And uh, well, in a couple of days. Well, yes, yeah. Well, by the, by the time by the time he's listening to this, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. The 9th of June. So um, yeah, happy birthday. And, uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, Jun, you're getting over your loss to uh, the great little Harry Moto at the World Championships. Now this is incredible, Alice. How can someone so young be so good? Well, we'll talk about that in the uh, World Championship segment, uh, Jeff. So just, uh, you know, hang on. Hang on. Yeah, stay tuned. All right. Good, good, good. All right. Well, let's just race through then, Alois. Let's move on to the, you know, maybe well, not don't, the... Don't, don't race over the joke of the week. <laughs> All right. It's time for the joke of the week. Dun, 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 dun. I need a little drum roll. Sure. Um, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Nice. How's that? All right, okay. Alois. Did you hear about the guy who invented the knock-knock joke? Uh, no. He won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> Nobel. He had to knock. <laughs> uh, that's, that's almost funny, Jeff. You did almost laugh. All yeah, right. A good one. I Love it. I laugh. All right. Now I'm going to move on quickly before the silence. So let's get on yeah. to the tip of the week, Alloys. Yes. Well, my tip of the week this week, and probably should have been the tip of the week last week, was to just watch the best players in the world. Now, I think this is a bit of a dying art, um, Mm. especially uh, amongst young players. And, you know, watching the World Championships, if you weren't on there watching the World Championships last week, then you need to have a good think about it. Um, So the World Championships um, provided um, the best players in the world. And... What is the what's the real purpose of watching those those uh, players? I mean, one, it's just pure enjoyment to to see the sport played at its absolute best, but also it just builds up some good images in your head that when you go out and play the next time, you've just got those images in your head and a reference point of what the game should look like and uh, and then hopefully feel like as well. So it's a really important um, part of. Um, a person's development. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a reason why um, China is as good as they are because now they've just got so many good players there. Their young players that come up are surrounded by these other players. They're seeing them. They're watching them uh, day to day. Um, they see good table tennis um, on their, in, in their media, 
um, constantly. And so they grow up with good images of table tennis. And I think that's that's a really key point. Yeah, I, I like that, Alois. Good tip of the week. Now, I've just watching um, kids learn, and I guess the same applies to adults, some people will, you know, watch a game of table tennis and they'll watch it intently and they'll notice every little thing and they'll just say, oh, yeah, he, I like how he did the no-spin serve. And, like, they're really focused on it. And it seems like they're taking a lot in. And then some kids might watch it but not really pick things up. Like, um, maybe they're just not watching it as intently or maybe they're just not as interested. I'm not sure. But how do you develop that skill? Is that something you can develop? Like, just watching it might not be enough. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, well, I, I think so. I, I think the more you watch, the more you will learn and understand. And, and I've, I'm going through this at the moment with uh, football or soccer. Um, so, you know, I've started watching a fair bit of soccer maybe in the last five years. Um, but I, I still don't really pick up the subtleties of the game. And I'm sure... The more I the more I watch, the more I'll start to pick up um, those sort of things. Similarly, if you're starting out now watching table tennis, it's okay. Just watch, what just watch and see what you can see. You don't have to notice everything straight away. Just just be out there, be a spectator, um, and just by watching what they're doing, um, those those images will sink in. Okay, yeah, good tips. All right, yeah. And, and of course, like you said, Alois, it is just enjoyable to watch. So um, if nothing else, just enjoy watching the world's best. But, yeah, try and pick up some things and, and you'll develop, yeah, some good images of, you know, play, of what playing with good technique looks like. Good tip of the week, Alois. All right. Okay, so let's move on to the drill of the week. Yeah, so this drill of the week uh, comes after watching some of the world championships, and I think this is something that the best players in the world are really good at. Um, so the drill of the week this week is to get your partner to serve short to you, make a short return, um, and then get them to put the next ball deep into your body or deep out wide to your forehand and manage yourself to be able to jump back into position and play that next ball. So this happens a lot in a game situation. So it's a it's a really good one to uh, become good at and to practice as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just a critical part of the game, isn't it? And like you said, if you watch the best players in the world, they do it so well. Yeah, and, and they're doing it often. So, you know, whenever whenever that return goes back short, they will jump back into position um, ready for the long ball. If they, if they do push it short again, they're ready to jump back in. But if you don't jump back after that short return, then it's very easy for your opponent to just flick the ball or push the ball deep into your body and catch you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like you said, it's pretty easy to practice. So, yeah, so this week, get out on the table and try out the drill of the week. All right, Alois, that moves us on now to the tournament wrap and the world championships. Love it. What do we need to know about this amazing tournament? Yeah, so, well, firstly, the fact that uh, it was just fantastic to watch um, all of these players in action. So uh, the first title that was decided was actually the mixed doubles and that was a win to Japan so I think there was, there was their first 
world championship win for something like over 40 years. So first world championship gold medal. And it went to Yoshimura and Ishikawa. Um, it was a, t- a tight affair. They beat uh, the um, the a pair of Cheng and Cheng from um, from Taipei. So uh, Chen An Chen, Chen and I Ching Cheng. There's a there's a t- tongue twister for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well done. <laughs> they Alan. beat them in the in the final anyway. Four um, three, and they were down three one and made a made a great comeback. Won the last three games, 11-4, 11-9, and 11-5. So, um, so well done to uh, Yoshimura and Ishikawa. Absolutely um, brilliant, isn't it? I mean, forty over 40 years, something like that, since they've uh, won a gold medal. And you think of Japan as, you know, a power nation in table tennis, or in my mind at least. Yeah, um, well, that's right. That's right. But, you know, and we talked a little bit about this before the World Championships, that, you know, the Japanese program has really started producing in the last five years. And, and but it's been, it's been a, you know, a 10-year effort, really, of the, the players going to um, World Tour events, um, you know, just getting numbers behind themselves. And now we see just the numbers of great players that are emerging through Japan. And, and that's what happens, you know, like eventually – this sort of result happens for them, and they get a world uh, world championship gold medal. Yeah, and you think that might even spur them on to even more greatness. You know, all the kids watching now are like, "Wow, they've just won a gold medal. That's something I want to do." Just just provides a spark of inspiration for for everyone. Absolutely, and and don't forget, twenty twenty, um, the Olympics and Paralympics in Tokyo. I mean. There is going to be, you know, huge excitement in um, in Japan, and it's just going to build from here. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, Japan. Yeah, and like you said, I think it's yeah, it's not always the big. Well, maybe it is the big things, but they turned up to the Australian Open Alloys, which is you know not the biggest tournament on the world tour, but like you said, they were going to a lot of events, just putting a lot of. Um, money into getting their players around at all the events. And so, you know, that's just part of their program, but it shows you the dedication they have to improving all their players. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so really good reward there for uh, for the Japanese program. Um, so moving on to the the, um, the women's doubles, which was actually then the last event decided. A little bit of a strange um, scheduling, as we talked about uh, with each other the other day, Jeff. That, yes. Um, yeah, so the women's doubles was actually played after the men's singles, but also the day after the women's singles. So um, so it would have been difficult um, for them to, to back up. But the winners there, and probably no surprise, was Ding Ning and Lucy Wen. Now, they certainly weren't, weren't seeded as the number one doubles pair because they haven't played much on the world circuit. Um, but... They were definitely the favourites going in, and uh, they ended up beating um, Hayata and Mimito in the semi-final 4-1. But then in the final, had a, had a battle on their hands against the other Chinese pair of Chen Meng and Zhu Yuling, um, and uh, that was a 4-3 result and 11-9 in the seventh game to Ding Ning and Lu Xuwen. And that's the first win for for Ding Ning in the in the doubles as well. There you go. A lot of close matches at this uh, World Championships. It's well, uh, it's it's the scoring system, Jeff. I like it. I like the, <laughs> the, the eleven points. And uh, uh, look, I I don't want to bring down the World Championships because you know it was great and very exciting and stuff. But you know, it's just too short. The games. Put them back to twenty-one. 
<laughs> anyway. I know I'm uh, on the outie but, here, so let's just move on. M- move on to the men's doubles, Jeff. I've heard, I've heard you're whining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, um, not the favorite. Oh, sorry, not the uh, number one seeds for the event, but certainly the favourites for the event uh, ended up winning, and that was Fan Zendong and Zhu Xin. Yeah, the left hand right hand combination um, winning four one against another Japanese pair of Morizono and Oshima, Yuya Oshima. Um, so we saw Yuya Oshima um, in Australia a couple of years ago as a, as a younger player, and you know he was he was pretty talented there. But yeah, good to see him make a world uh, doubles final. But also in the semi-final, Fan Zendong and Zhu Zin beat Koki Niwa and uh, Yoshimura. Um, so, you know, Japan having two two pairs in the uh, in the men's double semis. And, and Morizono and Oshima were, were actually the number one seeds by the fact that uh, they have played a lot of world tour events and, um, and so they were seeded number one. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the seedings? Um... Is it fine just to go off, you know, what's happened in the world tours and the world rankings, or should they have special consideration? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, who knows how well Fan Zendong and Zuzin play with each other? I mean, we we, we suspect that they're going to be a pretty good combination, but if they're not out there playing a lot, then, you know, who knows? So maybe, uh, maybe the system's okay. Yeah, I think it's probably fair enough. I know um, in tennis, Alois, they um, uh, Wimbledon used to have special consideration because they thought, you know, being on a different surface, being on grass, it would be different. So they used to seed people different, but now all all the majors in tennis just go straight off the world rankings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. Well, I think I think it's it's pretty fair. It's, yeah. Um, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And then let's let's move on to the women's singles. And um, again, no real surprises. Um, you know, in the in the final, uh, we had uh, the two Chinese players of Ding Ning uh, and Zhu Yu Ling. So Zhu Yu Ling um, overcoming uh, Lu Xi Wen in the semi-final, eleven five in the seventh. You now we talked a lot about Lu Xi Wen and her um, her disappointment from the last World Championships, and you know really wanting to put this one on the board but uh but Zhu Yu Ling put her out in the semis and then Ding Ning uh winning the final against Zhu Yu Ling um four games to two and, and really looked the dominant player overall um in in the event and a good lefty to go with that too Jeff so um so that's always good um, <laughs> indeed um so it, of interest um Ishikawa made the quarterfinals Mu Hirano made the semifinals um, so Mu Hirano, we know, had uh, had a win over Ding Ning earlier this uh, or uh, uh, at the World Cup. Um, this time, Ding Ning winning four games to one in the semi, um, and uh, Chen Meng making the quarterfinals, and Mu Zi from China also making the quarter. So in the bottom half, there were four Chinese players in the quarterfinals, and uh, in the top half, we had. Uh, Ding Ning, Ishikawa, Mu Hirano, and Feng Chan Wei um, in there. So, so yes, yeah, strong, strong field. But you know, again, the cream coming to the top, and Ding Ying, Ding Ning, sorry, um, winning her second world championship. Very impressive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely impressive. And uh, you know, I reckon there's another one in her. Yeah, yeah still, I, th- still, I think still so. I think so, and I think if you go back to the last podcast, I might have suggested she might have uh, been victorious again. 
Well, there you go, Jeff. You are <laughs> champion tipper. I like it. I like it. Although I, although I didn't really tip many of the other events, I thought they'd be too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and in the men's singles, well, it was there was lots of uh, lots of interest there in the men's singles, and I suppose the biggest uh, interest early was uh, Harry Moto from Japan, the thirteen-year-old superstar. Um, working his way through the field. So in the last 32, he beat Liao from Taipei. Then he beat Piste from uh, Slovakia um, in the round of 16. He beat him 4-1 um, to uh, to progress to the quarterfinals, you know. So have a think about what you were doing as a 13-year-old. And this guy, this kid, um, who's 14 later this month, um, has just played in the quarterfinals of the World Singles Championship. Um, it, it, it just it blows my mind every time I think about it, Jeff. I, I can't understand how he can be so good at 13. It's just he doesn't seem to have had enough time to become that good. You're, you're still growing and developing. He doesn't seem to be strong enough to compete with those people. Like Everything says it can't happen, yet he's, he's just done it. Yeah, so I mean, his his parent he's, he's come from good breeding, you know, Chinese um, Chinese national players um, it, as background. Um, so he would have been exposed to the game from a very early age, and probably hitting some balls at a very early age. But still, you know, as you say, just the physical development. You know, how does that? It just it it's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, so hats off to uh, Harry Moto and to the Japanese program once again. So he beat um, Jun Mizutani early um, as well in the uh, in second round. So uh, so yeah, really really impressive to be able to beat the number one player from your country um, early on. Um, you know, just just says says a lot. Uh, of course, there would have been a lot of pressure on um, Mizutani. You know, the playing against the young kid. Um, it's always difficult. Um, the young kid, you know, just uh, out there and swinging, obviously, but uh, but still, um, it's very very impressive by Harry Moto. Yeah, absolutely, very very impressive. I can't believe it; just unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then some some other highlights um, for me: Timo Boll making it through to the quarterfinals. We talked about him being seeded to make the quarterfinals, but. Uh, to actually achieve that was fantastic in his home country. Um, he beat Jan, Jang Wujin from Korea in the um, last 32, and then uh, uh, you know beating the tough Marcus Freitas in the last 16, beating him 4-1 uh, to make it to, through to the quarters, where he lost to the uh, eventual winner Ma Long. And I have to say, he wasn't disgraced against Ma Long either. You know, he played doubles with Ma Long um, earlier in the week. And went down four games to two, the, the sixth game being 11-9. You know, he was in there again. So, um, yeah, so well done, Timo Boll. And, you know, we, we've written him off. Well, I've written him off a few times. But, uh, gee, um, great, great effort there by, uh, by him. Other, other um, notable results. So Koki Niwa made it through to the um, quarters as well. Another Japanese player uh, beating Ovcharov 4-3 and 11 mm. 11- yeah, 11-9 in the seventh, you know, and Ovchov would have been bitterly disappointed in front of his home crowd to um, to not be able to make it through to his seeding position of uh, the of the quarterfinals. Um, Koki Niwa, an exciting player though, and um, yeah, good for good for him to make it through to the quarters. So um, 
The other other players uh, to impress were Lee Sang Su um, from Korea, who made it through to the semis, um, beating uh, beating Zhang Zike in the last 32. Now that is an impressive result right there. Uh, Zhang Zike doesn't lose to any mug. He um, he. Uh, in fact, this was the the first uh, win by a non-Chinese against um, a Chinese player for a very, very, very long time in the World Championship. So, so well done to Lee Sang Su, who then went on to beat Samsonov, one of our favourites, but uh, beat him four nil, and and it was pretty dis- destructive. It was nine one three and nine. So uh, mm. Lee Sang Su in some good form, and then beating uh, uh, Wong Chun Tin as well from Hong Kong. Um, to make it through to the semis. So, uh, but so then, is that the end of Zhang Zikir? Is that the last time we're going to see him, Alois? Well, in my book, yes. But, you know, we have been wrong before, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> it has happened. But, uh, but surely the, the Chinese um, program now can't risk sending him to major events. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think I think that's probably it because... For a while, they were labelling him as like the big event player because he wasn't performing well in all events, but still did well in you know the Olympics and things like that. But now at the World Championships, falling in the last thirty-two, and just his form down in general, yeah, I think they're going to be pretty swift from here and replacing him. But we'll see. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and it's not like they haven't got um, some good players coming through. Um, you know, they've they've got Fan Zendong. I mean, Fang Bo didn't play um, in this event. Um, then uh, they they had um, yeah they've, they've got you know they've got bucket loads of strong players coming through so yeah I, th- I think this could be could be it for him yeah I think so, so yeah so then just just talking about the top end um, or the the, um, the top end of the men's singles so um, the semi finalists were Ma Long who played Zhu Zin and just carved him up six nine nine and three. Um, and in the other semi, we saw Lee Sang Su face up against Fan Zendong. Um, I think you know the next hope um, from China, and Fan Zendong uh, put a put a real end to Lee Sang Su's run. You know, um, he may have uh, beaten Zhang Zike, but uh, Fan Zendong dealt with him six nine six and eleven one in the fourth game. So um, so Fan Zendong really stamped his, his authority there. And the final, well. I'm sure all of you have seen um, bits and pieces of it, but what a cliffhanger, what a final. Ma Long prevailing for his um, second world championships over Fan Zendong, 12-10 in the seventh game. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, say what you like about the scoring system, Jeff, but, you know, <laughs> um, it... it, it Continues to produce um, results like this, and uh, yeah, very, very, uh, very impressive final. Um, as, as you as you would expect, you know, good to see the the players just going at it uh, full tilt from the start. Um, so Ma Long, um, absolute championship champion, has really stamped himself over the last two to three years now as uh, the dominant player and starting to, you know, stamp himself as one of the the all-time greats. Yeah, exactly. And and we did a bit of a Ping Hill show a while back asking, was he already one of the all-time greats? And um, this just keeps adding to his list. And yeah, so- it, it was a real seesaw event. Like, um, he, he was in a bit of trouble in that seventh game, Ma Long, but... Uh, 
managed to uh, pull one out of the hat and yeah. uh, take it 12-10. Exactly. And, you know, it it's just that supreme confidence in your ability that gets you through in that situation. If you watch the last few points, um, uh, Fan Zendong just makes a couple of errors um, you know, where he doesn't really trust himself, whereas Ma Long, you see he takes time, he makes sure he's ready, he's, um, he's completely focused, and he, it, or you, you feel like he knows he's going to win that next point. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that, that's, the, that's the difference we talk, we talk about, the psychological difference between these players. I mean, you put Fan Zendong and Ma Long in a room and, you know, like they, they, look, they look the same. You know, they've both got great... Uh, forehands, you know, their backhands are solid. Um, you know, in fact, Fan Zendong's overall game probably a little bit more rounded. But, you know, in the end, it's it's always about that the person that's a little bit stronger mentally that uh, that gets up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, just um, what a great event, the World Championships. Um, brilliant for table tennis and um, yeah. it was yeah. just a huge success. And I, I, I didn't mention one one result, and I probably sh- should because that was Zhu Xin over Lin Gao Yuan, um, the other young Chinese player. Oh yes. Um, so he was ten five down in the seventh. Zhu Xin was ten five down in the seventh game, and ended up winning at twelve ten. And again, you know, it's it's then it's not about um, your your playing ability. It's just about mental mental strength. You know, Zuzin knew that he could win. For Lin Gaoyuan, it was just a new new situation. Um, you know, trying to trying to make the, the quarters of the world championships um against Zuzin uh, just couldn't get over the line. You can and if you see the the um the highlights or the, if you see if you watch the match, you know, from ten five, Zuzin's just out there swinging um and just playing positively, Lin Gaoyuan just went into his shell, um, you know, just almost hoping for the win, and um, and that's what happened. So um, it is incredible, isn't it? Like five match points, you'd think you'd have a pretty good chance of winning one at five, if you, especially if you've managed to get to ten five up in the seventh. Um, yeah, that's it just right. Wasn't but, to be. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, completely a psychological battle, battle that uh, Zuzin won in that situation. So yeah, so to Ma Long, well done. And uh, to all the the uh, the winners um, and all and all those great uh, performances and great table tennis that all of you provided us with over um, those uh, those days, um, yeah, just brilliant, brilliant table tennis to watch. Indeed, yes. So thank you, all those players. All right, Alois, that moves us on to our competition about the winners of the World Championships. Um, we we have a we have um, a draw to do. That's right, exactly, and uh, and I just didn't realise how clever our um, our listeners and watchers were. Um, so we had twenty five people that picked four winners out of the five. Now, yeah, because that's right, wasn't it? The competition was to pick all, well, pick as many of the winners of the five events as you could, and twenty five people picked four of the five events. Yeah, and uh, guess which winner they didn't pick, Jeff. Uh, mixed doubles. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, it certainly wasn't Ma Long or Ding Ning. So, yeah, the mixed doubles, always a tricky one to pick. Um, so none of those 25 actually picked the winner of the mixed doubles. So they all picked the other four winners but didn't pick the mixed doubles winner. 
which uh, which does say a bit, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, it was uh, yeah good to good to see that. Um, there was one, yeah. There was only the one uh, person that ended up picking the mixed doubles winner, and, and that was uh, uh, J.I. Kuhon, um, who picked Meharu Yoshimura and Kazumi Ishikawa in the mix. But I think he might have had a bit of a uh, Japanese um, uh, bias because he picked Kenta uh, to win the singles and Mimarito to win the women's singles, and um, so uh, yeah. Overall, didn't get there. Okay, there you go. So, um, so that means, Alois, that um, yeah. So to enter, you had to pick the winners. You had to uh, leave a comment on our Facebook page and share your entry. And so, twenty-five people are all going into the draw. And so we'll pick one of those at random, Alois, and the winner yeah. will get a bat of their choice from the Ping Skills website. All right, so Jeff, I've got the uh, 25 winners listed in front of me. You can't see them because you're miles away. Um, and if you want to do a random number generation between 1 and 25, okay. that would be good. And I will then tell you who is the winner. Generator. So I'm just getting the random number generator up, Alloys. Good work. And I need a number between 1 and 25. And here we, here go. we go. Generate. It is number five number on the five. list. And the winner is Dean Gochev. Woohoo! So well done, Dean Gochev. Great uh, job. You win a choice of bat from the Ping Skills website. Yes. So, uh, so Dean picked um, Ma Long, Ding Ning, Zhu Jin and Fan Zendong, Ding Ning, Lu Shi Wen. And in the mixed doubles, he picked Lee Sang Su and Yang Hayun, who were the uh, number one seeds, I think, but uh, didn't get too far. But, yep, so well done, Dean. You are the competition winner. Woohoo! Very exciting. Very exciting indeed. And so, uh, so we will contact you via Facebook, Dean, or you can contact us if you're listening. Indeed. And we'll organise to get that sent out to you. Great yep. job. Well done, Dean Gochev. All right. Okay, Alois. Well, um... And uh, Dean is from Bulgaria, so there you go. Nice one. All right. Well, after all that excitement, Alois, I think it's time to answer some of our listeners' table tennis questions. Absolutely. All right. Great uh, idea. So first up, we have a question uh, from Ryan Basher, and he's asking about defence. He says, Hi, Alois. I am new to table tennis. I've just started playing last year. And one thing I noticed is I fail at making kill shots, like smashes nearly 50% of the time. But I have an innate skill at blocking by reflex, the forehand topspins and smashes. So the problem I'm facing is that smashes with very high speed, the ball flies over the other side at times, and it's difficult to predict uh, the success of my block. What should I do to maximize the success rate? So he's trying to build an absolute defensive style. So he wants your tips, Alois. Yeah. So, so Ryan, the first thing is, um, you know, the, the, when the ball is moving so fast, the, the key element is how well you can watch the ball. Um, now, I mean, this is, this is important whenever you're playing table tennis, but especially if you're going to become a defensive type of player or, you know, relying on your blocking, 
then being able to watch the ball because you are going to be, able, uh, be getting some balls coming at you pretty fast. It's it's absolutely crucial that you watch that ball um, well. If you're not, then uh, then you're going to miss out on seeing the ball early enough. Um, the other thing then is to think a lot about your placement because you're not relying on power. You need to think about how well you're placing the ball. If you place the ball into their hitting zone, um, you're going to get some pretty fast balls coming at you. But if you can start to be a little bit smarter about your placement, um, tie them up in their middle or go wide or go into their weaker side or, or on the side that they're not balanced or ready for, then you're going to get some softer balls and then you're going to be able to start to dominate and um, dominate the rally with your placement. So, so they're, they're a couple of critical things for you, Ryan, to, uh, to start to think about. Um, yeah, just making sure you're watching. And secondly, making sure you, you're, you're placing that ball. The, the other thing with placement is also trying to keep that ball low. If you, mm. give, them, if you give them a bit of height, then, uh, then they're, again, uh, it's going to make it easy for them. Yep, excellent advice there, Alois. So, uh, Ryan, hopefully that helps you out uh, with your defensive techniques. All right, next up is a question from Eugene about uh, the double serve. He says, Hi, Ping Skills. I've recently been training in doubles in preparation for a tournament. And he says, My partner's not as good as me, and he makes a lot of mistakes even on high balls, and he's not good at top spinning. However, he's got uh, both good forehand and backhand. Top spin is powerful. It's just lacking consistency. So his question is, what serve should he use to incorporate his partner in? He's tried backspin serves, and he can't toss in backspin balls well. And he's tried topspin balls, but it went high, and he kept using his backhand to miss the ball. So what can Eugene do here to work well with his opponent? With his uh, sorry, with his partner? Yeah. So I think I think the, the the first thing is to if you if you know that your partner isn't good at the backspin balls, then if you serve backspin, then you're going to give the opposition a good opportunity to give him a backspin ball. So you need to change that up. So um, you talked about your topspin serves going too high. So maybe that's an area that you can start to get better at, getting your topspin serves a little bit lower. Um, and also just being able to change it up with some no-spin serves. But the other thing that you can try is just serving long. Um, if you can serve long fast and effectively, then your partner perhaps is going to be able to get the ball that he likes. You know, he likes uh, being able to block the ball back. So it then doesn't put pressure on him to have to make the top spin against the backspin ball. So uh, there's a couple of things there for you to try. Some short no spin or top spin serves, um, or or you can also mix it up with some long serves. But make sure you're telling your partner what type of serve you're going to do. If you're going to serve long, he needs to be ready for them to make a topspin ball and uh, to block it back as well. Yeah, so use some hand signals there just to demonstrate uh, to your partner what you're going to serve. Um, it's it's an interesting question, isn't it, Alice? Because I guess there's like the, the short-term and the long-term view of this. So, you know, short-term, if you've got a match, you know, tomorrow... You just have to do the serves that are going to um, help your partner the best, like you said. Um, but long term, I guess you really want your partner to start improving in some areas so he can play against different types of balls as well. So, yeah, there's really kind of two different ways to look at that uh, short term and long term. 
Yeah, absolutely. So long long term, you'd you'd be wanting him to improve his topspin against backspin ball, and that's something that you can help him with. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Eugene. So hopefully uh, those ideas help you out. All right. Next question is from Kelvin, and it's also about doubles. And Kelvin asks. In a doubles match, should the non-serving partner stand beside or behind the server to maximise the chance for an effective return and at what distance? Okay. So, Kelvin, if you keep this principle in mind, the person that's playing the next ball, so not the server but the, the his partner, should stand as close as possible to their normal ready position in singles. So... You won't be able to stand, you know, exactly in that position because you need to be mindful of the server having enough room to serve. But get yourself as close to that position as you can, allowing for the server to be able to swing freely with their serve. That way, as soon as the server serves, they can move out of the way and then you get to that um, good ready position so that you're ready to play the next ball. So that's that's the principle that uh, that you should work with. And whether that's behind the server or next to the server or wherever it is, it'll depend a bit on the type of serve that your part that, um, that the server is doing as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess this is part of the reason, Alice, why left and right hand combinations are so good because. Um, they can stand quite close together just because of the fact they're left and right-handed. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So it's almost it's almost um, uh, cheating for them, and and you know there's, there's no um, there's no uh, coincidence that the uh, that the finalists in the men's doubles um, were were both left-hand right-hand doubles combinations. Mm, and, and, and and the women's champions were left hand right hand as well. So, um, and and the mixed doubles too. So, yep, very good. All right, Kelvin. So yeah, keep that principle in mind. Um, yeah, just closest to your normal ready position. So hopefully that helps you out. I think often, yeah. I mean, it's not always the case, but often it can be almost a combination of that. You can be a little bit to the side and a little bit back. Um, yeah, but whatever's closest. Um, yeah. Good luck, Kelvin. All right, next question is from Ali, who wants to know about holding a bat. He says, I hold the bat in a very awkward way. He says, Seriously, I keep my thumb on the face of the bat and the rest of the four fingers on the back of the racket. And so by this, I couldn't play a shot from the backhand. So he wants to ask, is this type of holding and gripping the bat allowed in table tennis? Yeah, so Ali, the first thing is, yes, it's allowed. So there's no rules around how you're allowed to hold the bat. If You, you can hold it with, you know, uh, with all your fingers all over the rubber and not by the handle at all if you really want to, but obviously that's going to make it more difficult. So, so the first thing is there's no rules. But at the moment, you're, you've got four fingers on the back of the bat. You, you've said that it's difficult to use the backhand when you've got the four fingers there. So... I think it's really time to start to think about changing that grip. So there, there are a couple of um, standard grips, you know, the shake hand and the pinhole grip, and it's not an accident that that players now utilise those two grips. They're tr- uh, tested and tried over time, um, and um, so it, it's a matter of it's a matter of them uh, of you just starting to change um, and get to a grip that you can utilise better. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. If you're interested in improving um, 
Yeah, you really want to try one of those, the shake hand or the pen hold grips, because like you said, they've been tested over time and, you know, all the world's best players use them. And I think, yeah, just like you said, you can't use the backhand with your current grip, so that'll just open up a whole range of possibilities by switching to one of the other grips. All right, well done, Ali. Hopefully that helps you out. Um, That wraps up our show, Alloy. It's a big show today. Um, You know, the World Championships, absolutely brilliant. Um, Our competition, um, our winner again was Dean, is that correct? That's right, Dean Gochev. Well done, Dean. So uh, we'll be in contact with you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeffrey, and uh, stay tuned for our next instalment. And uh, happy, happy table tennis over the next few days, Ping Skillers. Absolutely. Catch you all later. Bye.